0: Today we're going to start a new series. If you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to teach from a text you are very familiar with or likely to be very familiar with, but I'm going to ask that you don't zone out due to your presumed familiarity, but instead listen and maybe together we'll learn something. But I'm going to be in chapter 6. I'll get to that in just a moment. We're about to start a series titled Brainstorm. And we've all heard, hey, I need to brainstorm this out, which means I need to get together with some friends or whatever and think about it and come through a process and figure out what I'm going to do about such and such. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about brainstorm, overcoming the fight that's in our head. All of us, most of us have a storm going on between our ears. I don't know if you guys are anything like me. You probably are. I have so many brainstorms going on in my head that a lot of times I make up storms that don't exist. I sit in the shower and I have arguments with people that I should never, that I'm never going to end up arguing with. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all. And then I'm going to tell this guy, I'm gonna, then I'm going to tell this guy this. And then he's going to be sorry that he said such and such. And then I'm going to retort with this. And then the next time I see him, there's no problem at all. I've created all this anxiety in my life, all this pressure in my life for no reason. And I think we'll find that if we really understand who we are, who we belong to, that the vast majority, if not all the storms going inside of our head, don't need to exist. Because God is capable of taking care of them. But all of us have that. Some of them start as minor insecurities. When I was, this is going to be shocking for some of you, when I was a child up until really high school, uh, I was 170 pounds soaking wet, six foot floor, uh, but always was super real skinny. And if I had to talk to more than three people at a time in any situation or circumstance, I cried. That's how how much anxiety talking to people gave me. Uh, I've gotten over that. Now sometimes you guys wish I hadn't. But I've gotten over that. But for some of us, anxiety is the beginning of our brainstorm. But our anxiety turns into this life-altering, spirit-crushing anxiety for many of us. For others, it starts with a lack of understanding of who we are, what we're capable of. And because we don't understand who we are, we're willing to grab a hold of whoever people tell us we are. Or we end up grabbing a hold of any kind of ideology to make us feel secure in who we are. We end up becoming double-minded. And the Bible says that a double-minded man should respect or receive nothing from God. Or we've been abused or neglected or something like that. And so we just reach out for anybody, regardless of how toxic they are, hoping that they will be the salvation from our brainstorm that only God is capable of being. I could go on and on with examples, but I think you get the idea. All of it starts as something. It ends up becoming this huge other thing, but God has the ability to remove it all and has in Christ Jesus. Amen? So I want to tell you or ask you, do you listen to the promise of God or do you listen to the storm in your life? Who do you give the most weight to? There's two storms in, there's actually more than two. There's two storms in your Bible that I want to talk about specifically. The first one is the storm that Paul was in, in Acts 27. Paul focused on the promise of God, not the, not the storm. Let me, let me read this to you. Acts 27, 21 through 25 reads like this. When they had gone a long time, this is just so you know, this is Paul, bless you. This is Paul um, imprisoned, being taken to Rome. They get involved in a huge storm out at sea. And then this happened. When they had gone a long time without food, then Paul stood up on their midst and said, men, you ought to have followed my advice. And not to have set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. So Paul tried to tell them we shouldn't do this in the first place. But they didn't listen to that. Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage. Even though you messed up, even though you didn't listen to me, be courageous. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me saying, do not be afraid, Paul, you must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all of those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage, men, for I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. That's a pretty courageous statement to have been involved in this storm for days upon days, to stand up and say, listen, I heard from God, and we're going to be okay. Because if it didn't turn out that way, he would be accountable for it. But it says this in verse 37, all of us in the ship were 276 persons. You want to know why? I think God specifically put the number of people on that boat because of the promise that was made. And then in verse 44, and so it happened that they all were brought safely to land. So Paul didn't allow his storm to mess him up. He instead focused on the promise of God. When we don't let our storm mess us up and focus on the promise of God, then we can rest assured that the promise of God will come true in our life. And we should have the confidence to declare it as Paul declared it. But sadly, that's not the only storm in your Bible. There's another storm in your Bible that Peter was involved in, in Matthew. And in Matthew 14, 28, starting in 28, Just so you know, let me set a little background. The disciples are going across the lake on a boat. Jesus stayed. Storm kicks up. Jesus comes walking across the water. You're probably familiar with this text. And he says, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. So apparently they were freaked out. They saw some dude walking on the water and they're all, What is that? A ghost? What is that? In verse 20, it says, Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. For a moment, Peter, who kept his eye on the promise of God, not the storm, was able to do what God told him he was capable of doing. But he didn't determine to keep his eye focused on the promise. He moved, his, shifted his eye from the promise to the problem, to the storm. And then this happened. And seeing the wind, which means he had to take his eye off Jesus, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. My question to you, are you going to keep your eye on the promise or on the storm? Because we've been called to keep our eye on his promise, on his presence. Amen? Because the enemy is real. The storm in your life is a result of the enemy that fights against your soul. And the fight that we're fighting is a spiritual fight. I'm going to say that again because 50 years ago, 20 years ago, feel like maybe even 10 years ago you didn't have to emphasize it this strongly, but the The storm, the fight that we're in right now is a spiritual fight. The fight inside your head is a spiritual fight. We live in a time when our government has determined to destroy us. Y'all, Pastor Jim, you worried about getting canceled? Man, I should have got canceled a long time ago. That's okay. When the school system has said that it's okay for our children to be subjected to immoral behavior and expected to participate in it. We live in a society where television tells us that the lifestyle that is abhorrent and completely repugnant and against the will of God according to His Word isn't just okay, it's acceptable. Not only acceptable, but if you don't participate in it, then you're a terrorist or you're something, you're the, you're the problem. All of that is spiritual. We're fighting fights right now that we didn't have to fight 20 years ago. Leonard, we're fighting fights right now. Pastor Rick, some of you older folks, we're fighting fights right now. You would have never conceived having fought when you were a child. And it's only going to get worse. So we have to learn to stop the fight in our head first. Because it's a spiritual battle and it's real. And I want to stop it in my generation. Do you want to stop it in your generation? I got two grandbabies and I love them. I can't imagine them having to fight a fight that I was too cowardly to fight. There's a story in your Bible that I love. It's King Hezekiah. He's being attacked by King Sennacherib. And Sennacherib writes writes him this huge letter about how he's going to destroy the city and he's going to take and kill Hezekiah and all these kinds of things. And he takes that letter and he spreads it out before the altar of God. And Hezekiah says, what are you going to do about this, God? I need your help. God didn't say, Hezekiah, you're righteous. So I'm going to help you out. What did he say? He said, because of my servant David, Not a single arrow will fly into this city. Why is that significant? Why am I talking about it right now? Because King David was his great, great, great grandfather. So the fight that David was willing to fight, the faithfulness that David had, ended up being the blessing of his great-great-great-grandson. It's time we defeat the storms on our own head so we can defeat the storms in our own world so that our great-great-great-grandkids, when they pray, can hear God say, because of your servant Leonard, because of my servant Leonard, because of my servant Tim, because of my servant whoever, not a single arrow will fly into into your house. But it has to start with us. Honestly, it should have started years ago, but let it end with us. Everybody okay? you talking crazy. I'm not talking crazy, but the world will tell you I'm talking crazy. So, we fight a spiritual enemy, but we have to fight it. But we have to fight it right. And that fight starts in our head so for the next four weeks, I'm going to talk about how to defeat the fight that happens in our head so that we gain ground, a solid foundation, the security to fight that fight out in the open. Amen? And so I'm going to do that today, three ways that we have to fight right from Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. And I'm going to read that text to you real quick. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Just so you know, all this stuff I talked about government, television, school systems, all of that happens not in the flesh. That's not the fight we're fighting, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces of darkness. That is spiritual forces of darkness. They have been, they have submitted themselves to dark spiritual forces, but we shouldn't. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm. Therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray all times in the spirit with this in view. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Amen. So let's talk about the three ways we have to fight right according to this text. We must first... Stand strong in the fight. Bible starts out pretty clear in this section of text. It says very specifically, be strong in the Lord. In verse 13, it says stand firm. It reiterates in 14, stand firm. We have to stand strong. We have to make a predetermined decision that I shall not be moved. Did you hear me? You have to decide, am I going to be moved or am I not going to be moved? I worked as a law enforcement officer for 20 years. Ten of those years, I worked at the police academy. We told our students, if you'll make a decision about a conflict before the conflict presents itself, then there's a four times greater probability of success in that conflict. How does that translate to what I'm talking to you today about? If you'll make a decision right now that you're going to stand firm in the Lord, there's a four times better chance, significantly more than that probably in the spiritual, that you're actually going to be able to stand firm when that fight presents itself. Because that fight's not coming when you think that fight's coming. If it did, every argument in your shower would work out. It's going to come when you're least expecting it. But you need to be ready for it. And you can't be ready for it if you don't decide in advance that I'm going to stand strong. Joshua 1 9 says that he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong, be courageous, stand firm, stand strong. But make that decision right now. And we can. You know why? Because this text says your God is with you wherever you go. Your God. Say my God. Is with me. That's the truth. You know why I can stand strong? Because it's not because of my own strength but because the strength of God by the Spirit of God through Christ Jesus is in me. I am unshakable because God is unshakable. I am am determined because God is determined. I am faithful because God is faithful. I am who I am because God made me who I am. That's what Paul says. It's Christ in me that causes me to be who I am. And so because of the God that I serve, because of the character that He has, because of the nature of who He is, I can step away from who I am and be all that He's called me to be and remove, at least fight through this storm in my head. Amen? But we have to determine, I'm going to stand strong. But I can't stand strong if I don't stand in the strength of His might. It ain't your strength. It's His strength. It's not the the amount of our strength. It's the source of our strength. Did you hear that? It's not the amount of your strength. It's the source of your strength. The question is, Who is the source of your strength? Christ Jesus. Can I tell you up till now, if you don't know Jesus, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. And you're going to leave here just as lost as you were when you walked in here. Just as confused as you were when you walked in here. Just as subject to the attacks of the enemy as you were when you walked in here. But can I tell you that because Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, died a perfect sacrifice, rose again, and now makes intercession for the believer on the believer's behalf, you don't have to. You can walk in strength, His strength. And so I would ask before I go any further, have you made a commitment to to Jesus. Because if you haven't made a commitment to Jesus, you have no foundation from which to stand firm on. But you know what? I don't I don't make a commitment to Jesus because he offers me security. I make a commitment to Jesus because he loved me enough to offer me security. Never allow the byproduct of relationship to get in the way or to supersede The relationship. I have a relationship with Jesus. Therefore, I am secure. Therefore, I can stand firm. Therefore, it is His might, not mine. And you can have that too. There's any person in this room that doesn't have that. Or you've fallen away from that. You haven't pursued God the way that the Word of God says you should pursue God. And you want to get your life back on center. Before we go any further, I want to pray for you. So that what we continue to talk about, you can have and know. If that's you, would you raise your hand so I could pray for you, so we can pray for you? Because the world that you live in doesn't have to conquer you. Because Jesus conquered the world you live in. Well, amen but it's his strength, not ours. It's the reason why Paul could say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. Did you know this is my favorite and my least favorite verse in all the Bible? You know why? It's my favorite because it's true. It's my least favorite because we don't teach it in context. Let me me turn to 4.13 real quick. 4.13 says this. I'm in Ephesians. I guess if I went to Philippians. Says this. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But the fact is you can't do all things. How many of you guys think you could fly? How many of you guys think you could lift this building up? Nobody? How many of you guys think you can stand toe-to-toe with every person in this room at the same time and win? Matthew, right on. There may be a little overconfidence. We'll talk about being overconfident at some point. Because Tim's in this room. I'm not even going to say that about Tim. But what is he saying here? In context, this is what he's saying. I know how to get along with humble means and I know how to live in prosperity. In and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And regardless of any of it, regardless of any of it, I am still capable in Christ Jesus. That's the strength of God. Let me tell you, If the storm in your head is happening because you're in want, because there's need, because you have some lack of understanding of who you are, because of anxiety, be like Paul. Know that even in your situation, God is enough. And because God is enough and offered you Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus you can do all things which means include, break those barriers and bonds that the enemy is trying to put on you and some of you potentially has put on you. Amen. What am I trying to do? I'm just trying to show you there's a there's a better way of living than what way you're living right now. First in Christ Jesus and then the freedom that Christ Jesus offered you. So how do I appropriate this strength? Great, I got this strength. How do I appropriate it? Grace. fact of the matter is, you can't earn it. It's a declaration of faith and grace that we're saved. It's by faith that God says, because you declare Jesus Christ is Lord, believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, I'm going to extend undeserved favor to you. I'm going to take you out of the judgment that you had, give you eternal life, the possibility of spending eternity with me, and I'm going to lavish my love, my protection, my provision on you, not because of who you are, but because of who I am. But we have to submit to that grace by faith, which is what I just talked to you about. None of this is going to make any sense to you if you don't know Jesus. Jesus is the answer to the storm in your brain. Everybody all right? I guess I shouldn't even ask that. I don't care if you're all right about that. That's the truth. Does everybody want to get right? That's the question. Does everybody want to stop having these shower arguments? I do. And the Bible tells me if I stand firm in the power of his strength, not mine, I can do exactly that. And he has equipped us to stand. Which is number two. We got to armor up in this fight. We have to armor up in this fight. You guys are familiar with this text, like I said. But listen to it. First off, let me tell you. The armor of God and all the components that it is, it's metaphor. Which means it's, it's a similarity. It's a, let me show you what it's like. Your salvation covers more than your brain. It covers all of who you are. Paul, for the sake of his audience, was trying to explain how they armor up with the provision of God by using something they would have been familiar with. Everybody all right? Everybody's all like, oh, I put on the helmet of salvation. Well, that's great. Put on the helmet of salvation. Because you're covered entirely by salvation. You're covered entirely by the gospel. You're covered entirely by righteousness. You're covered entirely by truth. But because he wanted to give them something they could see in their own real world, he he describes it as armor. And so he says first, God girded us with truth. What does that mean? It's the belt of truth. You guys heard that before? So I got a belt on. In a Roman armor, in a Roman centurion's armor, there was a belt. And attached to this belt was every other piece of armor. And so if they didn't have the belt of truth, then everything they owned would fall apart. If you don't walk in the truth, you're going to fall apart. Not only that, but they wore tunics under their armor. And before a fight would happen, they would reach behind themselves, grab the back of their tunic, and push it into their belt so that they didn't trip over it. So let me tell you, if you're not walking in the truth, if you're not girded with the truth, you're going to lose everything and you're going to trip into false ideology. You're not going to be able to fight effectively unless you fight from the foundation of truth. And God gave us that. But He didn't just give us the truth. He clothed us in righteousness. Literally, the righteousness of Christ. We are the righteousness of Christ. Why does He say breastplate of righteousness? Because it covers your heart. Your emotion, your thoughts, your feelings, those things come from your heart. Your righteousness. Did you know if you're going to be swayed out of your righteousness, it's going to be out of your emotion most likely? You're going to think about a sin long enough to commit a sin, but the enemy protects us, or the God that we have protects us from those things and gave us the righteousness of Christ, covered us completely. Well, Pastor Jim, what's righteousness? That just means right standing, I stand correctly in front of a holy God, not because I was holy, but because Christ was holy and gave that holiness to me. Now, the Bible says, be holy as God is holy. But then he also shod our feet with the gospel. The gospel shoes of peace. But they're not just shoes. You should carry the gospel in your mouth. You should carry the gospel in your mind. You should carry the gospel in your heart. You should carry the gospel in your hands. You should carry the gospel in the leather of your shoes. I heard a guy tell you one time that every Bible should be bound in shoe leather. leather. Because if you ain't willing to walk out the word, you ain't worthy of carrying the word in the first place. Somebody better get a, ooh, he said that out loud. I'm going to say this. You guys ever heard of an Asian household, what an Asian household is? Like if you go into somebody and say, hey, could you take your shoes off? We have an Asian household. That means that they want you to kick your shoes off before you come into their house. The gospel doesn't count. Your job is not an Asian household. Your community is not an Asian household. Your family is not an Asian household. You don't kick off the gospel for fear that you're going to hurt somebody's feelings or offend them. You traipse that through their house, through your workplace, through your community. Because if they want peace, the peace that they don't even know they need, you have to carry it to them. And you have to do it in a way like Paul, unashamed. For he said, I am unashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God unto salvation. First to the Jew, then the Greek. The question is, are you ashamed of the gospel? Because if you're ashamed of the shoes that you're wearing, you'll kick them off. If you're not, you'll wear them bad boys wherever you go. Amen? And then he shielded us with faith. It says, take it up the shield of faith with which you were able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You know, we're on a battlefield. But Jesus has already won. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. So God stood us in this battlefield strong with the corpses of our enemies. But the enemy is still very alive and desires to tempt you. You know how you defeat him. Faith. He slings an arrow at you. You know what? I have faith that God is able to protect me. I have faith that God is able to save my family. I have faith to believe God is able to heal. I have faith to believe whatever the enemy shoots at you, but you don't understand this, but you don't know about this, but you don't know about this. You know what I do know? I do know that whatever God has me, I'm going to hold his evidence. Whatever God tells me, I'm going to hold his evidence until proof of that is seen in eternity. That's what faith is. And he gave us the ability to walk in that. But he didn't just give us faith. He gave us confidence, the helmet of salvation. He protected us, gave us assurance of our salvation. And I praise God for that. I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm going to lose my salvation. You know why? Because I'm going to grab a hold of God and not let go. Here's the thing. The tighter you grab a hold of God, the looser the grip becomes of the enemy. Now, not to say you can't loosen your grip on God but let's not do that. Let's overcome the storm in our head that would desire for us to do that and push again to the only real answer we have, which is Christ Jesus. And He offered us through His work, His sacrifice, His resurrection, the salvation that we have. And then finally, He has filled our hands with the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, the sword of Of the spirit. You know, the enemy's sly. He's wily. But you know what he's unable to do? He's unable to defeat the only real offensive weapon God gave us. Jesus proved this when he came out of the desert. He was tempted three times in the desert. Each time what'd he do? He said, Well, I don't really want to talk about this right now. It's inconvenient. He struck him down with the Word of God. And then the enemy came against him again. He struck him down with the Word of God. And then he came at him again. He struck him down with the Word of God. And it says, Then the the devil departed and angels ministered to him. You want to be able to walk in the strength and the triumph and the victory that God has provided for you? You want to stand firm to defeat the fight in your head? Learn the Word of God and quote it to the enemy instead of, if you want to have a shower room fight, have it with the enemy over the Word of God and watch him depart from you. Because he will. And the last thing to fight this fight in our head, to, to fight right is we must pray in the fight. 18 through 20 reads like this, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I love this. Paul starts this section with a non-exclusionary statement, which means he he hasn't excluded anything. Let's listen to the verbiage. In 18, he says, with all prayer. He's not excluding some kind of prayer or when you should pray. At all times, in all perseverance, for all the saints. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to be people of prayer. You want, it is impossible to be tempted of the enemy and pray at the same time. It's impossible for you to sin and pray at the same time. Try it. The enemy tempts you to do something, step away from that sin and start praying. Thank you. Now, just as soon as you get done praying, that your mind might go back there. But you know what you start doing again? Pray in all times, in all perseverance. And then come out of that prayer. And then when it happens again, pray again. And then pray again at all times for all people, for all things. Which means I need you to pray for me too. Because guess what? Enemy tries to tempt me too. Enemy tries to fight fights in my head too. All people. All times. All perseverance. All prayers. Thessalonians says the same thing, essentially, when it says, pray without ceasing in everything, that's non-exclusionary, everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So that we may speak boldly as we ought. Imagine if the church decided to become bold as we ought. Because there's a lot of us bold about the stuff we shouldn't be doing. But what if we were bold about the things we ought to be bold about? Think we could turn this city upside down? I think we could. I think we could turn this world upside down. Twelve did it. Certainly we can. There's nothing special about them. Except they heard the word of God. And you did too. Amen? So fight the fight in your head, but fight right. And you'll find that in prayer and petition that you won't be anxious, but that the God of peace will guard your heart, according to Philippians. And that's my prayer for you. Fight, but fight right. Let's pray. But you know what, I don't want to pray yet. Some of y'all got stuff you're fighting about right now. I know you. Many of us have conversations. I know the struggles you go through. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, it's hard not to use you as an illustration. (laughs) But I know what you're going through. And those of you who don't tell me what you're going through, guess what I do? I pray for you. And if you think the pastor that God assigned to you isn't getting revelation by the Spirit of God about what's going on with you, you've lost your mind. I can walk side some of y'all and just know that there's something going on with you. I may not be able to pinpoint it. Most of the time, in order to pinpoint it, I've got to get on your Facebook page. <laughs> some of y'all put all your craziness out there, and I appreciate that. It gives me an idea what to preach on. <laughs> My point is, though, is that many of us struggle and we're fighting this fight in our head by ourselves when we shouldn't. Pray for me also. If there's a fight going on between your ears, I'd like to pray with you about that. <clears throat> it could be a, a fight that you're fighting about your health, about a relationship, about your job. I don't care what it is. The enemy can tempt you in an, any number of ways. But God, that's all I need to say, but God. Amen? Amen. If that's you, would you stand so I could pray with you? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Uh, Remember, I talked to some of y'all. You can lie if you want to. (laughs) I'll be praying about that. (laughs) Father God, in Jesus' name, we love you and thank you, Lord, that you love us. God, for those standing and those that for whatever reason were nervous about standing, you love them just as much as you love the ones that are. And you desire to pour your love out on them. To give them, according to your word, peace that is beyond comprehension. So God, I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit and the relationship they have with Jesus, that you do that regarding their situation. That you show yourself mighty and glorious that you show that the work of your son Jesus was on purpose and that purpose was so that we might walk intimately with you God where there's struggle where there's pain where there's anxiety where there's been abuse or frustration God I ask that by your spirit you squelch that out of their life just cover them up Lord with how much you love them and how much you desire to protect them as the omnipotent God. God, we we give you the praise for it. We walk in expectation that we'll receive it. And we'll give the testimony out of our mouth in faith before we can see it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.